702. The car feature. Coffee chat time. Give us a call. 011-883-0702 in the WhatsApp line 072-7021702. We are joined by Nickel Low Technical Car Specialist who will take all of your technical car questions. Uh, get your yourself in the queue early so that he has ample time to answer. Nickel, how are you doing? Good yourself, Rilu I'm good, I'm good. Um, earlier on when we were doing our series edition and we were talking about the batteries for backup power solutions and one of the questions was, why can't we return those batteries the same way we do car batteries? <laughs> and I guess we're like, nope, we don't do that. The car battery people do that. Yes, yes, no, I hear you. Is it not that big of a deal being able to just, like, I've never actually even thought about it. When you do return a car battery, do you guys get it restarted or what happens to it if it's died? So, no, I think the the battery people actually just recycle it. So there's obviously some precious metals in there, a lot of lead to recover. Uh, I think it's a, it's a recycling process. I don't think they can revive them. Okay. Okay. I completely understand. So for today, we're talking about turbocharger engine issues what is a turbocharger before we get to the issues okay so let's keep it short and simple because you can go into a lot of technical details Um, most of the modern internal combustion engines comes out with a turbocharger um, and the reason for the turbo is um, with an engine oxygen is very important for performance so the more oxygen you can have the more fuel you can add the more energy you can have in that engine so uh, think of a turbo as an air pump. So it consists of a compressor side. That's actually the intake air that goes in there. It's compressed and then it goes to the intake of the engine. The other side of the turbo is the turbine. And it actually uses the wasted exhaust gas energy that flows through it on that side to power the turbo. So in that sense, you're actually harnessing a bit of free energy to compress the air. And by that way, you can actually have smaller engines with higher power outputs. And we've seen it now. They're talking about downsizing of engines. So you see small engines, one liters, three cylinders, that uh, delivers a lot of power, and that's to do with the turbocharging. So we, we had turbochargers for performance engines a while back. Now it's almost economy thing and you can't you almost you can't find a new modern vehicle if it's petrol or diesel they all got turbocharger these days maybe just your entry-level cars come without turbo so the the turbo era started really in passenger cars in the early 2000s we had loads of issues with turbos back then most of them are resolved by now so so if how would somebody know if they're having an issue with specifically a turbo um 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 charge in their uh, charger in their vehicle Yes, so that is quite an expensive component in in, in your uh, car engine bay. Um, and what will happen is most of the time you'll have an indication on the instrument cluster, the light will come and tell you something is wrong. You'll have a loss of power. It depends on what kind of failure that turbo will have. So after I had a, a, a I talked to, to a person uh, the other day, they had a turbo failure in a, in a VW Tiguan that was quite old already. And he was quite surprised and said, oh, how can that happen? So, I mean, with a turbocharger, 
Um, obviously, a lot of uh, there will be a big power loss if the turbo fails. Number one, because that is actually, as I say, it supplies fresh air at elevated pressures to your engine, and if you lose that, you lose almost half the power instantly. The, the vehicle will also um, sometimes go into what we call a limbo mode to try and protect the engine in case there is a failure with a turbo. So, what can go wrong with a turbo? As I mentioned, the turbo consists of a turbine and as a, a compressor, and they combine with a shaft, and, and that uh, device, it actually, that the impeller, as we call it, turns at ridiculous speeds. We're talking about 180 to 200,000 RPM. So it needs to be well-balanced. It needs to be well-lubricated. So uh, top tip out there, if you've got a turbo engine in your car, please stick to the service intervals on oil because the oil lubricates those bearings on that impeller that has to spin at that kind of RPM. So you neglect on oil servicing, uh, the bearings can go in that, and that's obviously a big failure in the turbo. If something goes through the engine, if there's a metallic part or maybe there's a valve that got damaged and something goes through the engine, it can actually end up in the turbocharger, and because those blades spin at that kind of speed, that it, it just uh, wrecks havoc with the turbo. Uh, what also can happen, there's oil seals. So obviously it's lubricated, but oil can either go through through the exhaust if that oil seals go, and you will see a big plume of slow smoke in your rearview mirror if that happens. Or on the intake side, there's normally the air that goes um, through the compressor side gets heated up, and it goes through the intercooler to the engine. And you'll find if you if you take a hose off your intercooler, it looks like a radiator in front of your your vehicle the engine bay that the oil will just drip out there, so then the oil's actually going that way. Um, and they'll also obviously see if it's an oil seal problem that your, your oil level will drop. Uh, so there's a couple of things that can go wrong with a turbo. Um, the advice I can also give there is turbochargers are not um, designed and manufactured by the OEM themselves. They're all bought in items. So if you go to your OEM for a turbo replacement, it might be very, very expensive, especially, obviously, outside warranty. So top tip out there again. If you're experiencing turbo problems, uh, go to a turbo expert that specializes in turbos that can do another a few checks to make sure it is the turbo. And they might be able to source the exact same part, but at a very much reduced price compared to what you'll pay at the OEM dealership out of warranty. Okay, I think we've got that, and we have a question on the WhatsApp line. Hi, Dele Bikili. I have a question for Nickel regarding turbo- turbocharged engines. Um, and as an example, uh, we'd use the Amarok 3-liter V6, which is a turbocharged motor, versus the 2-liter bi-turbo. Doesn't the fact that it has two turbos put undue stress on a smaller displacement engine? And are there any uh, reliability issues with engines with that much boost in it? Cecil from Pretoria. Thank you, Cecil. Okay, so Cecil, um, you're correct in the sense that if you add more turbos, you add complexity, and theoretically, because you've got more components, uh, reliability might be down in the future uh, if, if that vehicle gets older. Just by the fact of statistics, it's just more that can go wrong. So I can agree with that. The reason why uh, manufacturers would go for two turbochargers is that 
um, they normally, what we talk about, turbo lag. So if you're a turbo engine, you put your foot down, there's sometimes quite a bit of lag before the, the power sort of comes through. And that's because if you've got one turbo that's quite large, it takes a time for it to spool up and provide the boost. So in that sense, sometimes it's better to have a smaller turbo that can quickly spool up, give you that boost at low RPMs. And then as the engine revs out and it needs more air at high RPMs, a larger turbo will kick in to provide you the boost at high uh, RPM. So in, in a sense, it gives you a smoother drivability um, having a smaller and a bigger turbo. Um, but yeah, I agree. So you get uh, improved uh, uh, drivability and improved power output figures with, with that kind of setup. But in the long term, it can maybe lead to reliability issues just by the fact that you've got two of them. Thank you so much. When we come back, we're going to take all of your calls and your questions for Nicole Lowe. 702. The car feature. Eight, eight minutes to three o'clock. We're with Nicole Lowe taking all of your technical car questions on 011830702 and the WhatsApp line 0727021702. Nicole, um, there is a question from Cedric in Kempton Park saying, can I fit a turbo on a car that didn't come with a turbo? Okay, so interesting question. Um, the short answer is it's possible, but is to do it professionally is extremely expensive, and it's so many changes you have to do to a naturally aspirated uh, engine to be able to fit a turbo that it's really not worthwhile. It's much better just to buy a car with a standard turbo engine and try to turbo your own car engine. Uh, on a petrol vehicle, to just mention a few things that need to happen to that engine is you need to lower the compression ratio um, uh, to prevent the phenomenon which is knock, which is auto combustion. So I won't go into too much detail there, but that means you need uh, different pistons. Um, you probably would need uh, a different oil pump, higher oil pressures. You would need more fuel flow. So you need more in, uh, higher injectors, increased fuel uh, supply. And then cooling as well. Remember, if you uh, try to get more power on the engine by fitting a turbo, you need to cool it more. So bigger radiators. Um, you might need to increase the, even the, the suspension and the brakes of your vehicle now that it's got higher power output. But the changes that you need to do to the engine to, to fit a turbo and make it work professionally and reliability um, for the general guy on the street, not worthwhile. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Let us uh, go to Mangaliso in Fosloras. Hi, Mangaliso. Hi, how are you? Good, thanks. And you? I'm all right. I, mm. I don't know if you guys can can can, can assist me. I, I have a, a full of Frigo, 20-solid full of Frigo. And uh, what happened is that I, I left the lights on for for maybe five hours, and uh, it, 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 it 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 killed the battery. But now I charged the battery and I tried putting the battery back. Now it, it, it's showing on the dashboard. It, it's flicking a light, the light with with the car and the key. I, I don't know what the problem is. Can can you guess maybe? Assist in 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 in. in yeah, in and and Nickel's listening. Nickel, go ahead. If it's a car and a key or a key light on the instrument cluster, that's normally something to do with the immobilizer of the car. So I wonder if it if it went dead, if it didn't influence the immobilizer system. The best is if you get a light on the instrument cluster, take your owner's manual because each one of those lights needs to be explained what it's for. Um, just a quick question: Does the vehicle now start or not? No, it doesn't start. It still doesn't. Does it actually crank the engine or if you turn the key? Nothing. Does it crank the 
Yeah, yeah it sounds it sounds to me um, if the if the battery is fine because remember if your headlights killed the battery sometimes the you can't actually recover that battery and it's completely dead. So let's just assume mm-hmm. that the battery did recover. It's reading the 12.5 volts and it's able to supply power. And if you if you then put the key in and you turn the key and it comes out with that key little light, it points to immobilizer. So somehow one of the ECUs is not seeing the code from the key and that doesn't oh. and that doesn't allow the, the engine to start. So That's it's more an immobilizer thing uh, than the actual battery. But just make sure that your battery is indeed fine. So just just a quick one. We, we, is, is it is an electrical problem or should I go to locksmith? What, what, what should I do? So I would I would take it to uh, like a diagnostic uh, place that can just look at your ECUs because how a modern car works is the car key has got a code and then a code gets read by uh, plenty of the ECUs. So at least at, at first uh, your your actual I don't say it's not a keyless engine, uh, keyless start. So where you put the key in. Uh, on that barrel, it actually reads the code, and that code gets transmitted through the CAN system, and it reads by a couple of ECUs, the engine control unit, and so on. And the immobilizer system will prevent the, the engine from starting if the code doesn't match. So maybe even try if you've got a spare key. See if the spare key maybe works. That's another one. But, yeah, if you take it, um, some of these automotive locksmith guys might also be able to help you because they deal with key coding quite a bit, and that might be something to do with the key coding. Thank you so much for that one. Um, the last question before we wrap up says, my Volvo S40 was overheating due to BLI blighead. I, I don't know if it's a typo, catalytic converter. I removed the filter in the exhaust. Will this affect my car in the long run? Um, I don't understand. There's not really a link between the catalytic converter and overheating. Overheating is more to do with your cooling system and so on. So, unfortunately, I can't answer that question because I don't think there's a link. So, if you take the filter out, the engine will be as before. So, if it overheated, then it will still overheat, unfortunately. All right. I've got that. Nicolo, thank you so much, as uh, always, for your time here on The Coffee, feature, taking everybody's questions.